0: Well, good morning, Grumlaw Church. We are so glad that all of you decided to gather here with us today. And I want to come to you right here on the front end and uh, say it is officially last call for our next Baptism Sunday, uh, which is happening on February the 25th, which means uh, that if you are sitting here today and you have placed your trust in Jesus, but you have yet to go public with your faith since making that decision, Uh, very simply, and we ask this often, uh, what are you waiting for? Uh, I'm not going to stay parked here for for too long because I do have quite a bit to cover this morning, but at the heart of baptism is a word that we talk about a a lot around here. It's this word obedience. Jesus doesn't suggest that we get baptized. He doesn't say, hey, if you like kind of feel like it or or if you can squeeze it into your schedule. Rather, he says, hey, anyone who believes and is baptized, and you always see those words hinged together, will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. The, the order of operations could not be more clear. Believe And then go and get your rear end baptized. Go public with your faith in Jesus. And and here's why Jesus made such a big deal of this. In so many ways, your decision to believe and then get baptized literally immediately, as quickly as possible, it sets the course of whether or not you will merely be a believer or or a follower. And and as we often remind all of you, but believing in Jesus, it's it's just not that difficult. I mean, it's not asking much to put your faith in a guy who successfully predicted his own death and resurrection, but but following is something entirely different. Will you be obedient? Will you follow the teachings and the call of Jesus? In the early Christian church, and I think this is worth pointing out, it was unheard of that a person would put their trust in Jesus and then go unbaptized. Because by not obeying this command, which is in so many ways the first command that Jesus offers to us uh, after we put our trust in Jesus, you're not really submitting. You're not really following him. But Being obedient to this step, it sets the trajectory for the rest of your walk with Christ. Will I merely be a believer or will I choose to follow him? So one last time, if you are sitting here today and you have yet to go public with your faith as an adult, It's time. February 25th is your date. It it is time. It's time because Jesus could have not been more clear on this point. It's time to get baptized, which again, you can conveniently do by texting Grumlaw to 94000 and then following those prompts for baptism. Uh, I could not be more excited to see how God will use these stories of obedience to help even more stories be told. And with that, uh, allow me to pray, and then we will get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, God, we thank you for already the the 14-some people. People who have signed up to be baptized, and we thank you for the obedience that is represented in these seats today, for the people um, that they're going to take this command seriously, frankly, uh, the people that, that, that are going to go public with their faith, and I believe as a result of that, you will help even more stories be told. God, uh, we ask that your hand would be all over this morning, that you would speak to each of us individually, uh, that we would have humble hearts to receive what it is that you want to speak to each of us today. And so in your name we pray. Amen. Well, today we are continuing in a series that we began two weeks ago, and it's gonna take us all the way up to Easter, and it's aptly titled Following Jesus 101. Uh, if you weren't here for the last two weeks, which were the first two weeks of this series, and in particular part one, which really lays the groundwork, the why for the entire series, I would highly encourage you to go and get yourself caught up at grumlaw.com slash messages, or as I always mention, you can find us under Grumlaw Church, wherever it is that you grab your podcast. But to quickly summarize, uh, we're taking a look at the day. Today rhythms that made up the life of Jesus, and and then like Jesus, we're extending the invitation to to follow. Because the reality is, is that everyone, and maybe you don't realize this about yourself yet, but everyone wants the life of Jesus, the the life that he modeled so well and then aptly describes in Matthew chapter 11. This is one of the four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. And here in Matthew chapter 11, it's sort of our theme verse for for the series. Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and and carry heavy burdens, and come on, that describes every single person watching right now at a certain level. And he says, and I will give you, come on, we all want this, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I'm humble and, and gentle at heart. And you will find, there's that word again, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. See, everyone wants this life, this restful, easy, light life, but we're unwilling to adopt the lifestyle in so many instances. But, but there aren't any shortcuts here. If, if you want the life of Jesus, then you have to adopt those rhythms that made up his day-to-day life. Now, these rhythms, as we have explored, have traditionally been referred to as spiritual disciplines. Uh, but we around here, we're opting instead for the language that the practices of, of Jesus we're invited to take the template of Jesus's day-to-day life as our own. And, and as we've been reminding all of you, it's really important to note that, that Jesus doesn't command you to do any of this stuff, that the lone exception actually being what we're talking about today being prayer. He, he rather simply does these things than then he says, again, just, just follow me. So, so let's get to the topic at hand today, which is just alluded to is, is prayer. Uh, This is uh, the only practice of Jesus, the only spiritual discipline that we as followers of Jesus are are commanded to do. And and before you perhaps go on the defensive and conclude, nobody tells me what to do, uh, allow me to remind us that we get to go directly to God, our creator, the the almighty God. God actually invites you (laughs) to talk to him. What a privilege that is. And even more, he actually declares that he's listening, and in fact, that he longs to hear from you, that the creator longs to hear from the creation. Seriously, who are we that he would consider us? So, So with that in mind, let's consider some of the words that scripture offers us concerning prayer. Philippians chapter four, it says, don't worry about anything instead, and I love this, pray about not some things, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that, that he has done. At Matthew chapter six, and we're gonna explore uh, this passage in far greater detail this morning. It says, when you pray, and this is actually Jesus talking right here. Notice that it doesn't say, if you pray, it's just like this foregone conclusion. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you, you should certainly be praying. At Matthew chapter 26, again, Jesus speaking. He says, keep watch and, and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It's like my life story right there. And then 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, I urge you first of all to pray for not some people, but all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf through prayer and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity that the path to godliness and dignity comes through a life that is, that is marked by prayer. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And, and following lockstep with what has already been established in this series, J- Jesus doesn't merely command, he doesn't merely ask us to pray, he, he models it. In fact, I would go so far as to say it is the practice that, that he models most clearly. Let me give us a handful of examples in uh, the biographical account according to Mark. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and and went out to an isolated place to pray. He made it a priority. Matthew chapter 14, after sending them home, that is his disciples and the crowds, he went up into the hills by himself to, to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And then in Matthew chapter 26, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to, to pray where I can get alone with just me and, and my heavenly father. Here's the point that, that I'm trying to establish. And I, I think this ought to be of some significance to you regardless of, of where you find yourself in this whole faith journey. If Jesus, the, the, the son of God, thought prayer important enough to regularly practice, how, how much more for us? or or i could say it in a in a plainer way a, a more direct way how, how arrogant e- even foolish would you have to be to not make prayer a staple in your life if jesus made it such a significant part of his now allow me to go back and be a bit gentler i i really do try personally to live out one of our church values which is assume the best and and I believe the reason that, that most people don't pray isn't because that, that they don't want to, but rather that they've never been taught how and they don't, they don't know why they should. Now fortunately for all of us, this happens to be one of Jesus' most direct teachings. I mean, he very, very clearly addresses this question of how to pray. In fact, after the disciples, those are Jesus's closest friends who spent virtually every waking moment with Jesus over a three-year period. After they had hung out with him for, for some time, that they noticed that Jesus seemed to pray, well, differently, D- differently than, than anyone else that they had ever heard pray before. And, and perhaps just like some of you who have listened to other people pray, they, they began wondering, am, am, I, am I doing it wrong? And all of those disciples are actually wondering the, the exact same thing, but, but nobody wants to be the guy who who goes up to Jesus and says, hey, Will, will you teach us how to, to pray? And, and seriously, how relatable and thus relieving is that, is that for all of you who are watching today? Because the truth is, is that most of you at some point in your faith journey, you, you wondered this exact question. I know I did, but, but chances are that, that you, just like these disciples, you just, you didn't want to ask. Because you were afraid that, that other people might judge you, that, that there's no such thing as a stupid question except this one, because everybody should know how to pray, right? Well, well, apparently not. And eventually, one of these disciples musters up the courage, or I think draws the short straw, and, and he goes up to Jesus and he asks, Lord, teach us to, to pray. I mean, I mean, I know how to pray, but the other guys, you know, we were all talking about it, and, you know, they're, they're a little bit slow, so they were wondering, and I just thought it would be better, you know, coming from your lips than mine. I mean, I could answer the question, but you should probably answer the question. And, and this, is, <laughs> this is so great about Jesus. He, he doesn't scold them. He doesn't make fun of them. He doesn't laugh at them or say, good grief, are you guys kidding me? Prayer is like the most basic discipline of all time. I mean, how could you guys of all people not know how to do this? No, instead, he, he smirks, perhaps, he sits them down and very gently, lovingly, directly answers their question, which we're going to rip through in, in just a moment. But, but let us pause for a moment. And, and before we get to the, to the how to pray, let's, let, let's start with, with the why, which Jesus will actually address when he answers their question. Why does, does prayer matter? why if you if you are sincerely trying to follow Jesus which i think by virtue of the fact that you tuned in here today that you are why should prayer be a, a part of your life now Uh, admittedly, there are a lot of different directions that I could go in response to to this question. We could frankly spend the entire winter examining just this this one practice. In fact, uh, we have regularly done uh, teachings and series on prayer. The most recent one was back in November of 2022. It was called Real Prayers for Real Life. So if you're looking to dive even further into this content, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that series again, titled Real Prayers for Real Life back in November of of 2022. But, But the simplest answer in response to this is, I just alluded to, is that if Jesus did it, then, then so should we. But we could also answer by saying prayer is a way of seeking God's counsel. We pray in preparation for, for major decisions that, that need to be made. We pray to gather workers for the spiritual harvest. We pray to overcome temptation. We, we pray to overcome demonic barriers. We pray for healing. We pray to strengthen others. We go on and on and on and on. But, but the reason that I believe is most pertinent to our conversation this morning the reason that I believe stands head and shoulders above the rest is, let's is going to sound very simplistic, is prayer is how we communicate with God. And remember, let me expound upon this. Remember, more than anything else, God just wants you. He longs for an actual relationship with you. It's why he would freely, willingly, send his one and his only son to to win you back. So desperately he wants to be close to you. It's it's not religion, it's it's relationship, it's it's intimacy. And just like any earthly relationship without regular communication, the relationship inevitably falls apart. Uh, as a pastor, I'm often confronted with marriages that that are on the verge of collapse. They're at their breaking point. Many of the couples even admit, it's like, we're, we're talking about divorce. And, and in every one of those situations, that there's been a breakdown in communication. At, at a certain point, the two people just began to, to coexist. They were ships passing in the night, roommates rather than soulmates. Y'all have heard all of those cliches. But, but all of those phrases point to a breakdown in communication. And oftentimes, as, as this quickly becomes apparent as we're sitting down and talking, couples will actually get defensive. It's like, we talk, we talk all the time. So I just kind of lean in and I'm like, okay, well, well tell me about it. And, and you quickly find out that the communication is, is very one-sided or, or it's full of yelling or, or, or it only happens when, when crap has already hit the fan. And when you think about it, for for a lot of people watching right now, that's actually a pretty accurate picture of of your communication with God. That that is, you go to Him in the crisis when when you desperately need His help and you frankly exhausted all other resources, or you you only go to Him when when you need something. He's this sort of genie in a bottle who's who's supposed to grant all of your wishes. This this cosmic vending machine, or, or you do talk to God, but. Come on, if you're being honest, it's, it's always on your terms. When, when it's convenient for you, and if, again, you're being honest, it's entirely one-sided. You, you talk to him, but you leave absolutely no room for him to respond, no room for him, for him to speak to you. That, that is, if you took all of your communication rhythms with God and you applied them to an earthly relationship, come on, that relationship would, would hardly be a relationship at all. I remember when I was in college being challenged by a friend and he said something along these lines. He says, Shay, how many times do you go to God asking for his intervention, asking for his help, only to immediately walk away and start doing something different and you kind of expect him to, to wedge his way into the gaps of your life? I mean, can you imagine if, if you treated a friend this way, where you regularly went to this friend and you asked for advice or help or counsel and, and before that person could even open their mouth, you're like basically sprinting in the opposite direction. It's like, well, well how long would that relationship last? So, so let's say it together, wherever you're watching from, I, I can't have a relationship with God if I don't communicate with God. If you don't regularly, routinely communicate constantly spend time in prayer. Uh, my, my best friend is a guy by the name of uh, Joel Trainer, and uh, one of the things I discovered about me and Joel is we don't, <laughs> we don't take very many pictures together. I had to go like deep into the recesses of my phone to, to dig this one up here, and no comment on that van behind us. We'll just, we'll just move past that. Um, I, I would not be sitting here today giving this message today. I would not be the pastor of this church <laughs> without the influence of that guy in my life. He showed me in college what, what it meant to actually follow Jesus. He didn't just talk about it. He just he modeled it so extraordinarily well. Now, I, I had a number of close friends in college. In fact, my senior year, I lived with five of my best friends. But, but truth be told, I, I can't really call many of those friendships friendships anymore. But Most of the guys in my wedding, for instance, I'm, I'm honestly not really friends with them today. So, so what happened? How, how could these people who were at one point in my life so incredibly close to me be, be so distant? Well, it's, it's a lot simpler than most of us probably realize. The difference between Joel and a lot of those other friends is that I, I regularly communicate with Joel. I, I FaceTime with Joel like three to four times a week. And, and the other guys, we just, we just don't really talk. Or if we do, it's like, it's like two times a year, certainly not enough to keep the relationship intact. So, so if you want to have intimacy, you, you want to have a relationship with God, then, then you have to spend time communicating with him. So, so that's, that's the big why. Now let's rip through the how. And this is one of my favorite all-time passages to teach on. And I, I think part of the reason that I like it so much is that Jesus was just so crystal clear on this. He, he made it so obvious And he actually starts in response to this question of how should we pray? How are we supposed to do this? He starts with with what we shouldn't do. So we pick right back up in in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, and so again, there's that presupposition that, again, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're obviously spending time talking to God. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And and what are they like? They love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Uh, The modern-day equivalent of this is the individuals who use these big words that they never, ever use in any other conversation that they have with people, these big, robust, religious-sounding words. And he says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. R- remember, the why behind prayer is that we might communicate with God and in turn have a rich relationship with God. So, so it makes sense that God would have no tolerance for these prayers that are really these shows, that are really all about the person that is praying. And, and some of you, I think you'll, you'll be relieved to hear this. Jesus had no tolerance for pretenders. He had no tolerance for for pretension. People who thought that they were better than someone else. Because, see, Jesus knew their hearts and that they weren't better. That those individuals were often the very people who who were hiding something. Then he continues. He says, but when you pray. So again, there's there's that presupposition that obviously you're going to pray. When you pray, go away by yourself shut the door behind you and pray to your father, that is your heavenly father in private, that then your father who sees everything will, will reward you. So he's acknowledging like, yeah, nobody else is gonna know about this, but your heavenly father, he, he will. And, and you remember this from last week, you need to find a place and you need to find a time. And it doesn't mean obviously that you can't pray throughout your day where, wherever your day may take you, but it's important that, that you find that place where, where you can rid yourself of distractions. Just quality time with you and, and your heavenly father. See, for instance, I can go out with my wife and a group of friends, and, and it certainly doesn't hurt my relationship with Andrea. But, but far more valuable to the relational health of Andrea and I, far more valuable to our marriage is when it's just her and I. No other people, no cell phones, no kids, just the two of us investing in our relationship by sharing honest thoughts and feelings. Jesus is telling you, go to a private place where you can have an honest conversation with your heavenly father, that the God who is infinite yet, yet intimate. And then he goes and he, and he gives us another do not. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. that They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Translation here, length and repetition does not move the heart of God. So, so if you hesitate to pray because you don't know what to say, this should be comforting to you. What you say when you pray is far less consequential than, than if you pray. And, and then Jesus, he says something right here that, that causes anyone to flinch. A, a statement that always garners the exact same response. And, and that response is, then, then what the heck am I praying for? But, but we already sort of covered that. Here's what Jesus says. He says, don't be like them. Don't be like those people that babble on and on. Don't be like those people that, that make a big show of prayer. He, he says, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. It's like, wait, wait, what? But, but come on, think about this logically. Doesn't this, doesn't this make sense? Sh- should we really be surprised that, that God knows what we need even before we ask? I mean, if God is God, omniscient and all that, shouldn't, shouldn't he know? If I have to inform God, then, then what does that make God? And this, again, brings us back to the tension that, that I believe Jesus really wanted to address. Again, that, that whole why question. See, earlier in this lesson on prayer, you probably noticed that Jesus mentions this word re- reward. And he actually goes on to mention it a couple more times in this lesson on, on prayer. So if the reward, if you're tracking here, if the reward isn't everything that we ask for, if the purpose of prayer isn't to bend God's will or get him to give you everything that you're asking for, then then come on, what's the point? See, the most important thing in our lives, more important than your career, more important than your job post-graduation, more important than your house, your car, your significant other, your family, the most important thing in any of our lives, whether you've come to this conclusion or not, is our relationship with Jesus. Because the reality is is that everything else flows from that. Our reward when we get this right and pray as Jesus taught us to pray is an intimacy with God, a closeness with God. The reward is that inner sense of peace that God is with you. Whether he says yes, no, or, or nothing at all. Our reward is a real relationship with him that is only achieved when you spend real time with just you and him, where you close the door and have a relationship with him, where you spend quality time communicating with your heavenly father. That the reason that we have been given the gift of prayer isn't to convince God of things or or to have this sort of get out of jail free card. It's it's so much better than that. You, You see, God has invited you you watching right now, to have an intimate and real relationship with him. And that only happens alone, behind a closed door. When you spend quality time communicating with him, the most important thing in any of our lives is our relationship with him. So so with all of that as the backdrop, Jesus, he goes on and he gives us this model, often referred to, and you've probably heard this before, as, as the Lord's Prayer. A model that that Jesus, in fact, invites you to adopt. He says, pray like this. And again, he's so direct. He says, begin with our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. Acknowledge who it is that you're speaking to and and approach him as as a father And, and not a version of your earthly father because I recognize that so many of you watching right now That father doesn't necessarily conjure up the most positive imagery, the most positive thoughts, but but rather the perfection of your earthly father. When we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here. This right here is where, where we recenter and we remember the broader context of our lives, our little lives that are made significant, not because of what we accomplish or how long we live, but because of whose image we bear and whose children we are. So before we get into all the stuff that we want, we pause and we acknowledge that we're speaking to our heavenly father, that the God who who, who is above all things, that the name that is above all names. And then he continues and he says, "May, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the purpose of prayer, and this is really important, is to align or realign ourselves with God's will. The the, the purpose of prayer is not to inform God of all the things you want. It's rather to surrender our will, not impose it. So, So God, before I ask anything from you, I want you to know that I want whatever it is that you want. Prayer isn't about moving God, but rather being moved by God. It's not about convincing him to do our bidding, but rather allowing him to move us to a place where we're willing to do his. So we say right on the front end, God, I want your will to be done. And then, and then we get to the place where, where we usually start. Get, give us today the food we need. So finally, he, he invites you to ask him for some stuff. But, but I want you to remember all that came before this. We, we only ask after our will has been surrendered to his, after we have taken some time to acknowledge who it is that we're praying to. And then he continues and he says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who, who sin against us. God, forgive me in the same way and to the same degree that I have forgiven the people who have wronged me. See, Jesus right here, (laughs) he's making sure that we're answering the question, are you asking something from me that you're unwilling to extend to others? As his followers, we're required to do unto others as God through Jesus has done unto us. We, we forgive because we've been forgiven. And, and even further, and I think this is the best part, Jesus knows what a lack of forgiveness does to the human heart. So, so he invites you to forgive. And when you do, you, you'll be introduced to a world that is a peace and a freedom that you'll never know otherwise. And he says, and don't, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is where we ask God for his protection. But, but I would challenge you, make sure that you can pray this with a clear conscience. And, and here's what I mean by that. You, you can't be planning to give into temptation or planning to lead yourself into temptation and then pray not to be led there. You can't have the flights booked, the overnight already planned, and then be like, God, keep the evil one far from me. But, but how good is this? We're, we're promised that, that as we actually follow him, he will not leave us to navigate life on our own that he offers us protection, protection from on high. Church, when we follow this model, when you begin praying like this, well, Jesus tells us, and your father who sees everything will, there's that word again, reward you. Follow this model with a sincere, with an honest heart, and you will be rewarded. Church, this is the model that I've been following since college. Every single morning in my my daily quiet time, I I go through the Lord's Prayer as that model to to, to recenter my heart, to to remind myself who I'm speaking to, to remind myself that that my will needs to be submitted to his. And, And as you do this, you'll be rewarded as you experience the richness of true relationship with your heavenly father.